Good to see each one of you here tonight. If you would stand with me, please. Let's turn to page 306. Page number 306 in your hymn book. Only a sinner saved by grace. If you're a sinner saved by grace, say amen tonight. Amen. Let's sing about it out on that first. Not have I gotten, but what I receive. Grace hath bestowed it, I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I abase. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. saved by grace tonight. Amen. Well, trust you had a wonderful day uh, in the afternoon. I will take 72 degrees in early March in Kansas City any day, any day of the week. Amen. And so what a blessing, but sure glad to be back in the Lord's house uh, tonight. I did forget to mention this this morning, but we are going to have a baptismal service uh, right after the service uh, tonight. Miss Lauren McRae that came forward got saved at the youth rally there at Temple Baptist in El Dorado. So we're going to see her follow the Lord tonight in baptism. That'll be a real blessing. Let's pray, though, tonight, ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would pray for us tonight, brother.
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? I uh, did just want to mention a few things uh, tonight, and I uh, trust you got a, um, I almost said a calendar, a bulletin this morning. It is like a calendar. It's got a lot of stuff in there. Amen. Uh, but of course, uh, looking forward uh, to uh, kind of kicking our I guess year off, so to speak, uh, in March uh, with all the busyness and things, but looking forward to our uh, youth rally, March the 17th, and of course that's on a Friday uh, evening, it'll start at 6.30. Uh, we'll be meeting first over at the E.J. Watson uh, Gymnasium and feeding all of our guests and things that arrive, and, uh, and then of course coming over uh, for our service, uh, and I believe our service starts at 7.30. Uh, that evening, and so if you'd just like to come for the service, I would encourage you to be here. It is a tremendous uh, blessing. Our guest preachers, Brother Jason uh, Jett, uh, pastors uh, up in uh, uh, Eastside Baptist Church there, and uh, man, my, my mind just goes blank every time, but at Sioux Falls, South Dakota is where he is at, but he, he is a good preacher and looking forward to having him here uh, with us, and we're also going to be hosting Glory Bound uh, that's out of Heartland Baptist uh, Bible College. And so, again, if you can help us out with any of the um, uh, drinks and chips and, and things like that, there's a sign-up sheet, uh, actually several sign-up sheets out there in the outer foyer. So I did uh, want to mention that. And then, of course, don't forget about uh, March the 11th, that's this coming Saturday, uh, is the church-wide outreach, and that'll be at 1030 in the morning. And then also, we have several things coming up in April that we're going ahead and planning for uh, now. Uh, any of our ladies would like to go to the ladies' retreat. That's April the 21st and 22nd up at Riverside Baptist Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. There's a sign-up sheet outside for that as well. But ladies, if you do plan on going to that, you do need to sign up by March the 15th. And if I'm not mistaken, that's next Wednesday a week from, uh, is it a week from this coming Wednesday? And so uh, it's, it's kind of, the reason is because of the hotels and, and uh, shortage and, and things like that. And so trying to get our information in early. And so ladies, please help us out uh, with that. And again, there's a sign-up sheet out there for that. And then of course, for our missions conference uh, that's coming up in April as well, there's already sign-up sheets out there for that, uh, for help with nursery. Uh, and then also uh, feeding our missionaries when they come in <clears throat> on Wednesday night. And then, of course, uh, the Saturday, there is a ladies' uh, tea in that Saturday afternoon. The men will have the men's prayer breakfast, and the ladies will have uh, the ladies' tea. And so, ladies, if you'd like to uh, go to that, make sure that you sign up for those things uh, as well. And so looking forward to a good time in the Lord and what God has for us here in the next couple of months. Amen. All right. Go ahead. Come on ahead, Brother Eric. Let's continue singing from page 240 tonight, page number 240, Look and Live. We'll sing the first, third, and last verse together tonight, page number 240. I have a message from the Lord, hallelujah, the message unto you I'll give. Tis recorded in His Word, hallelujah, it is only that you offered unto you hallelujah eternal life your soul shall have if you'll only look to him hallelujah 
Amen. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask him to bless our offerings. I'm going to ask Brother Ethan Whitney if you'd pray for us tonight, please. Amen. time please with me and turn to page 284 page number 284 now i belong to jesus amen if you know christ as your savior you belong to him tonight let's sing it out together on that first verse jesus my lord will love me forever jesus my lord will love me forever from him no power of evil can sever he gave his life to ransom my soul
great singing tonight. Please remain standing. Get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Well, praise the Lord. Joshua chapter uh, number 11 uh, tonight. Joshua and chapter number 11. And uh, just about to finish up. Well, we actually will finish up this chapter uh, tonight. But I think you'll also kind of see we kind of finish up with the major... Uh, battles of Joshua's life tonight. And so Joshua chapter number 11 and verse number 15 tonight is where we'll actually pick up and, uh, and, and begin reading uh, tonight. So notice the Bible says here, okay, and I think you'll get the idea of the passage as we read through here, but it says this, as the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing done of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So Joshua took all the land, the hills and the south country and all the land of Goshen and the valley and the plain and the mountain of Israel and the valley of the same, even from Mount Halak uh, that goeth up to Seir, even unto Baalgad uh, in the valley of Lebanon under Mount Hermon and all the kings he took and smote them and slew them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all other they took in battle. And it, For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that He might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that He might destroy them. As the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time came Joshua to cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron unto Deber, from Anab, and from the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza and Gath and, and Ashdod there, there remained. So, there's got to be a few left because David's going to fight one named Goliath. Verse number 23, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. Father, thank you for the word of God tonight. Pray that you would bless it that you would bless the preaching tonight. God, fill me with your spirit. And God, use me as your vessel to be a help to your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. Now, really, if I could sum it up like this, in, in the last two chapters, we have seen what, what, what has been dubbed and, and even what we call the Southern Campaign and the northern campaign. And, and, and as we studied it out, we begin to realize what those battles, those campaigns begin to represent. The southern campaign represented the battles of the flesh. And as we saw last week, the northern campaign represented the battles of the mind. But hopefully as we read through here tonight, you begin to see this, that we now are reaching the end of the major battles in Joshua's life. From here on out, Joshua is going to be what I would say is a 
delegator. In other words, he's going to divide out the lands to the tribes of Israel. And he is going to encourage each tribe to go in and possess that land, thus fully conquering that land. And and so really, what you and I have tonight as we read through this is what I would say is a a summary of Joshua's life as the conqueror of Canaan. As the scriptures reflect on his life, what I would say tonight is this, is that we should reflect on his life. And from this, I believe this, I believe we can see really just some very key principles that can help us tonight to have victory in our life, which is really what this, this, this study in his life has been about. So I titled, I titled the message tonight just, just simply this, Lessons from Joshua's Life. This is what I was thinking about as I was getting ready for the service tonight. This, this is not a very deep message. Really, it's just a simple message. There's no awe to it. There, there's no show to it. But this is what I love about our God, is that God wants us to have victory. And that victory doesn't require awe. It just requires sim- simplicity in the sense of us doing what God said to do in His Word. And that's really ultimately what you and I see in, in Joshua's life tonight. And i got to be honest with you, as much as I was like, oh great, you know, they were already tired this morning, they're going to be really tired tonight, this is just going to put them right to sleep, amen? Unless you're like me and you had enchiladas and then you went into an enchilada coma for the afternoon. But, but my fear is this, is that we just kind of go, oh, there wasn't much to that, when really we need to think of it as this, oh, that's really simple, but man, aren't you glad God makes it easy so that we can understand and we can live for Him and have victory? Back when we were living in Springfield, Missouri, we were introduced to a guy named Dave Ramsey. And if you've ever heard of him, then you would understand uh, he's the, what I would say is the financial uh, guru, if you will. Uh, we, we went through, we even went through uh, Financial Peace University and, and, and uh, we actually in our Sunday school class when we were there at Berean Baptist Church, we came up to Kansas City and, and saw him uh, live in, in Kansas City. And, and, and if you don't know who he is, you probably do, but if you don't know, he's got a radio show, and then he also has a book that he wrote, Total Money Makeover, that helps people get out of debt, learn to manage their money. And, and really, and I like this, he uses a lot of biblical principles to which I would highly uh, recommend him, but... As I, I, as I got introduced to him and I read his book, I, I started listening to his radio show. And after a while, you, you, you began to hear frequently his, his testimony and, and how, he, uh, how he came to be, so to speak, his, his personal testimony. It kind of starts out with that he had a lot of investments, and if I'm not mistaken, they were in things like real estate and and stuff like that, but I believe it was kind of when the economy uh, went down back in the 90s. Uh, he lost pretty much everything uh, that he had, and so he and his wife had to start all over again. And he would talk about things like this. He would say one of the things that he noticed was is that how he lost, they lost almost everything that they had, but there were other people that, that had accumulated wealth, and they didn't lose everything like he did, and so what he did was, is that as he began to rebuild his life and rebuild his wealth, he started asking those people questions and, and what they did with their money and how they invested and, 
and the things that they did. And so as he rebuilt his wealth back, he started rebuilding based upon the principles that he learned from those people. And what I began to think about was this. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, listen, you don't, you know, if you're looking to build wealth, and I'm not trying to be ugly or anything, but I'm just saying to you that if you're looking to go and build wealth, then you're not going to go ask a homeless guy that's living under the interstate overpass. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just simply saying it just, that makes sense because here's the thing. They wouldn't know, or if they did know, I mean, if they did offer anything, I don't think that I would take it. All right? And, and so here's the thing. You go to people who are successful doing what you want to do and you learn from them. Is everybody with me? And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that that is exactly the lesson that we find here uh, in this passage about the life of Joshua. Folks, Joshua was successful in battle and in war. He will go down in biblical history as the conqueror of Canaan, the man who followed Moses, but also the man that was exalted like Moses. The man who saw the Jordan River parted and the walls of Jericho come down in great victories over the kings of the south and of the north. And so what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that therefore if we want victory, then it would be wise for us to, as we look at this summary of his life, to glean some things from it so that you and I can have victory as well. And I want you to notice verse 15 and verse 23 that really serve as the bookends, if you will, of this text. Notice in verse 15 it says, As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. And I like verse 16 because it starts out with, So Joshua took all the land, the hills, and all the south country. And then notice in verse 23, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And the land had rest. What I'm I'm trying to emphasize is this, is that that little word so that we read, it implies this, Joshua was successful. Joshua did what God said to do. And, and, and you understand, he did, he did what the Lord told Moses to do. Joshua, Joshua carried it out. And so what I would say to you tonight is this, that's what I want for my life. I want to live in victory tonight. Somebody say amen. I, I want to do what God has given me to do, and I want to have success in it. I want to have victory in Jesus in my life. And so I'm just saying to you tonight, that if that's where you're at, and I hope it would be, that we would look tonight from Joshua's life and we'd glean some things. When you and I read this passage tonight, and I just I want to point out a couple of things to you. When Joshua, when we read where we're at in Joshua's life tonight, it, it almost it reminds me of, if I could say it like this, a seasoned or mature Christian where they would be at in his or her life. So, some serious battles have been fought. And one, and, and, and though there are more up ahead, that they will be nothing like Jericho or the northern and the southern campaigns. And, and so now they are living victoriously in their life and, and, they're, and they're reflecting back over their, their own life. And, and that's kind of what you and I see here as the scriptures begin to summarize Joshua's life. 
and even reflect back a little bit. And as they're, and, and I would say to you this tonight, it should be that we would reflect back. So what Josh, I mean, that's kind of what the scriptures are doing for Josh. But this is what I thought about. As you, as you do this, and by, and by the way, you should do this to praise the Lord for the victories that really He won. But, but let me just point out some things here that I thought about just, just generally at this passage. If you ever do that, all right, and I would encourage you to do that. I do that quite often, man, and, and look back and praise the Lord. I always like what the Bible says this, to enter into His presence with thanksgiving. And you know how I begin to start thanking the Lord? Looking back. And that's really what's going on here. But let me, let me, let me, just, let me just point out a couple of things to you about this little reflection here on Joshua's life. The first thing is this, and this is not part of the message, so to speak, but just some things you ought to know. It's a positive reflection. Well, well, I say that, listen, I say that not just because Joshua was successful, but because the life of Joshua, it wasn't without failure. And, And as this account goes down, and you and I just read it, and we'll go through it here verse by verse, in just a moment, there's a recalling of, of victories in the northern and southern campaigns, even some in the plains and, and out further. And, but, but if you'll notice, this is what I thought about. Did you notice that something was missing? Anybody remember Achan? And the first battle against the city of Ai? Did you notice there's no retelling of those things? What I'm saying to you is this, and to me, to me, all right, this is encouraging. All right, because God's account of Joshua's life in His Word, it is a positive reflection. It's a positive one. It doesn't focus on the negative, and this is what I thought about. If God chose to never remember those things anymore, then maybe you and I need to listen to that as well. Be careful that when you're reflecting in your own life that you don't spend a bunch of time focusing on the failures, but rather focusing on the victories. Let your reflection be far more about rejoicing, not rehashing old mistakes, and then struggling once again with guilt and bitterness in your life. That's pretty good advice right there. Folks, I, listen, there, there is, I'm just telling you tonight, you can take this for what it's worth. But I know for me in my life, there is far more to be thankful for in my life than to sorrow over. And I would venture to say, it's probably the same in your life. It just depends on which way you're looking at it. Let me, let me tell you the other thing that I like too, and, and this is pretty good as, as well. It's, it's positive, but it's not perfect. Look, look at verse number 19 of our text. He says, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all other they took in battle. And I just, you know, I just got to think that Joshua's going, really, Lord, do we have to write this down? The deal uh, Joshua and Israel made with the Gibeonites, it, it is once again accounted for here. But I believe this, I believe the Lord put this here to even remind us tonight that Joshua wasn't perfect. And as no man is perfect, Joshua and Israel would be stuck with their deal with the Gibeonites for years to come. You know what? Just like you and I tonight have besetting sins 
And we have things that we struggle with through, through our life. But, but at the same time, friend, that don't mean you can't have victory. And that's the idea here. In fact, you got to even note in this verse here, notice how it goes. It says, for it was of the, notice verse 19, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all other. Notice this, how it ends. All other they took in battle. So notice, even, even right there, it ends on a positive, a positive reflection, doesn't it? The grace of God, almost like the grace of God still seems to, to shine through right here, as it should when you and I reflect on our lives. How often I've seen God in my own life turn a trial into a blessing. I thought I'd get a better response than that. Because I'd, I'd venture to say that you have as well. I, I know this. I, I know I've sure seen Him turn my failure for His good and His glory when I give it over to Him. I, I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm just saying to you tonight, these are some pretty encouraging uh, things when you and I begin to think about. I, I, I think sometimes we, we, we fail to be, have, have, a, have a thankful spirit and have a thankful heart towards our God for the victories that He gives us in His life. And we need to learn to reflect and to look back and to praise Him and to glorify Him for His goodness and for His grace to us. And that's something that overall... Generally speaking, I see from this passage tonight, but again, Joshua is a picture of victory, isn't he? That, that's really in victory. Listen, let me say to you tonight just simply this. Victory starts with knowing Christ as your Savior. Somebody say amen to that tonight. That's where it starts, all right? So knowing Christ as your Savior, but then we understand this. As we've been delivered out of the bondage of our Egypt, God wants to bring us into the Canaan land, the victorious life of the believer, and that's where Joshua is now at, and he's now in victory tonight, and, and as the scriptures begin to reflect over his life, I believe there's some things that you and I can see tonight, some principles that will help us in understanding how we got to where he got so that we can be there as well if you're not tonight, and if you are, it's probably you can look at this and go, that makes perfect sense because that's exactly what I did in my life, to have victory. Let me give you the first thing, at least the things that I, I noticed and that, that I wrote down. Look at verse 15. So it says, as the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So Joshua took all, the land of, uh, took all that land, the hills and the south country, and all the land of Goshen and the valley and the plain and the mountain of Israel and the valley of the saints, even from the mountain uh, Halak and that goeth up into Seir, and even unto Baalgad, and in the valley of Lebanon under Mount Hermon. Uh, and all their kings he took and smote them and slew them. And, and so really what I would say to you tonight is this. The, third, the first thing that I see from Joshua's life is that success is the result of obedience to God. I told you it wasn't anything like, wow. There's no wow factor to that at all. But this is what I want to point out. Do you remember the promise that God made to Joshua in the very first chapter when we went into his life? Go back to Joshua chapter number 1. And look at verse number six, verses 6 through 8. Here's what God said to Joshua. He said, Be strong and of good courage. 
For unto this people thou shalt divide an inheritance, uh, divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good... Success. What, what are you saying, preacher? Well, here we are ten chapters later, and guess what Joshua's doing? He's doing exactly what God said he would do. How did he do that? Because he did exactly what God told him to do. Listen, listen to me. Living victoriously for Jesus Christ is not a complicated matter. Well, yeah, but preacher, you don't understand my situation. Well, number one, I don't have to understand your situation. And number two, your situation's probably not as complicated as you're making it out to be. We're just full of pride and we want to be deemed somebody special when the reality is we're really not. That'll preach right there, son. I'm just telling you, we're really not. And we just really, what what we need to do is just humble ourselves and simply do what God said to do. And this is what I found in my life, and I believe this is what Joshua was saying was in his life. It works. You understand, with all, with, all that is, uh, with all that has taken place in the life of Joshua, it can be summed up in verse number 15. He simply obeyed what God commanded him to do, but our problems arise when our enemies defeat us because we fail to, to do what God has given us to do. To simply follow His instruction manual, friend. And, and here's the thing. What we typically do is we try to do it our way and in our power and in our strength. Or we try uh, some shortcut. Uh, I, know, I know people that have tried every way under the sun except for God's way. And they, and they utterly refuse to do God's way. And, and eventually they get mad at God and they quit on God. But here is Joshua's life, and it's a testimony that when you humble yourself and you simply do what the Word of God said to do, it leads to success in your life. That's what Joshua gives. It amazes me. I'm just telling you, it amazes me that people will come to the pastor, I need an answer, can you give me an answer? And then you give them an answer from the Word of God, and they just, well, I can't, I, I just don't, I don't, and it's like they wanted me to give them some magic pill that's going to, you, you know, or, or, well, if you'll just do this good deed right here, it'll all be taken, your troubles will disappear. It doesn't work that way. And the last thing they want to hear is this. Why don't you stop doing what you're doing and obey God? Well, I mean, uh, that's for you. No, that's for all of us. If you're saved tonight, that's definitely for you. I'm just saying to you, friend, and, this, and, and I'm just telling you, because here's the thing. That's the only way to have victory and success. That's the only way. There's not, well, you know, preacher, I, uh, yeah, you got that, but I, I'm going to do this thing. My, it's, listen to me. You're, you're not going to be the one that breaks it all. 
You're not going to be the one that just miraculously does it. I'm, I'm just telling you tonight, it's not going to work. You're not going to be the, the exception to the rule. Neither am I. But if we'll humble ourselves to the one who created us and who gave us life and who knows how to make it work, I'm just telling you, he knows how to make it work. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and this, is, this is what I love about these verses right here in verses 16 and 17, as, you, as it rehearses all of these victories, I want you to think about this. Did you notice this when it talks about it took the, he, he, uh, he took all the land, the, the hills, the country, the south country, uh, the land of Goshen, the valley, the plain, the mountains. Did you catch that? The valleys and the plains and the mountains. And I, listen, and what a great picture that is. Of, of, of here's the thing, those are the three phases that you will find yourself in life. And if you'll just obey God in all, when all of, in all of those areas where there are enemies at, I'm just telling you in the end you'll have victory. Uh, you think about valleys tonight. The valleys obviously speak of the low points in life caused by trials and tribulations. Almost like we heard a message about that this morning. And, but you understand, and, and, and even going back to this morning, here's why that message was so important. It's because in the valleys, the sheep are the most vulnerable. In the military, it's what's called the kill box. You, you understand, and make no mistake, the enemy loves to attack while we're in the valleys of life. He's right there with the oppression, uh, the battles of the mind, the discouragement. He's right there with his false prophets that want you to embrace their unbelief and eventually quit on God. You know, if God was do, you know, if God was really God, He wouldn't be allowing this to happen in your life. Well, He let His own Son go to the cross for my sin. Who am I to say I deserve better than Him? That'll preach. But when it came to the valleys, here's what Joshua did. He just fought. You, you know what he did? He just kept obeying God. And he came out on the other side victorious. Let, let, me, let me help you with this tonight. That's what we're supposed to do. That means this. Don't quit coming to church when you're in a valley. I said don't quit coming to church when you're in a valley. Don't, 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 don't sit there at home and go, well, nobody cares about me and nobody loves me and nobody even knows I'm gone. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We all know you're gone because you ain't in your spot. And you all got your spot. Stop it. Don't quit coming to church. Don't quit praying. I said, don't quit praying. And don't quit reading your Bible. No, 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 friend. You keep battling and you keep fighting and you get through that valley. And I'm just telling you, God will give you the victory. That's what he did for Joshua. I'm just telling you. Listen, the plains. The plains is an interesting area because really we would say it like this. It's not the mountains, but it's not the valleys either. And the plains, to me, speaks of ordinary life. Just flat. It's not challenging like a valley, but it's not exciting like a mountaintop. But can I say to you this? There's still enemies in the ordinary life. Like last week, we saw the northern campaign, the battle of the mind. I'm telling you, Joshua, think about this. If you go back up and study the northern campaign you will find that Joshua faced one of his fiercest enemies with the horses and the chariots, and that happened in the plains. That happened in the plains. 
And I'm just telling you, sometimes this is how life can be. You're just plugging along and trying to have a normal week. That's what we say around here. Let's just have a normal week this week. And we say that when I come in, my day off is on Monday, and I come in on Tuesday, let's just have a normal week. By Friday, we figure out this ain't normal at all. Amen. That's pretty normal, right? <laughs> That's not, we're just trying to have normal. Sometimes that's how it is, though. Man, I mean, I, listen, the things that come at you, the stuff that comes at you, the attacks of the mind, the discouragement, the howlers. Remember those last week of the news? Mercy. Well, well, well what, what do you do? Here's what you do. Keep going along. It's what Joshua did. Just kept fighting. Listen, you still show up at church on Wednesday night. Be in your place. Well, my flesh didn't want to. So what? Do what the Spirit of God said to do. Show up. This is what I found is your flesh don't want to go, but you come in and, man, you start getting around God's people and fellowshipping and find out they didn't have a, they tried to have a normal week too and it didn't pan out. And you just love on one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, sing unto God with one another and hear the preaching of the Word of God and you leave out of here ready to go back to battle. I'm just saying to you, friend, look at the mountaintops. He talks about the mountain. In this and the mountains speak of the good things happening But this is what I know from my own life. Mountains are where we typically pray less. And we get complacent because everything is going our way. I'm the man. Everything's going my way. And that's when the enemy's like, yeah, let me show you, you're the man. And he comes at you. And again, be like Joshua in those times. Listen, you and I... You and I need God on the mountains just as much as we do in the plains and the valleys. We need them. We need church. We don't need less church on the mountains. You need more church. We don't need less prayer and Bible. We need more. That's how you keep getting victory. But what I'm saying to you tonight is this. It's really a simple concept. Obedience leads to success. It's not complicated, but yet so many of God's people struggle with it. And here's why. Because we're simply not willing to submit ourselves to what God said to do. But as you reflect on Joshua's life, you can't help but to come to the conclusion of this. It works. It's true. I got a, for Christmas, I got a, uh, I got a, a tow hitch uh, and, and the wiring harness that comes with it for uh, my Jeep. And, and I have been, I've had it in a box sitting in my garage, and I have been putting it off, uh, putting it on. And one of the reasons has been it's been too cold. And I'm from Florida, and me and cold don't get along. But the other reason is, is because really in my mind I've been dreading this is going to be, this is just going to be a complicated ordeal. So Monday, this past Monday was my day off, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to start working on this stuff, and, and we're going to see how it goes. You know, I went out there and I pulled that thing out and I looked and it had two steps in the directions to put the hitch on. It, there were four bolts in this thing and you took these long bolts out and you slid up underneath the Jeep and there was the frame right there. There were already four pre-drilled holes in there. It's like they knew what they were doing when they made the tow hitch. And I just slid it up there and put the bolts in, tied it up. I was like, there's my tow hitch. 
And then I pulled out the wiring harness. I said, now this is going to take the rest of my day. And I pulled the wiring harness out. There were four steps. And I, 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 took, I took the battery cable loose, pulled the uh, driver's side taillight out, and you unplugged the little thing, then you plugged in the harness thing, and then you plugged the little thing right there, and then you pushed it through, and then you went around the frame. It already had the clips where you just put it, you put, hold the cable up in the frame, and uh, there were pre-drilled holes in there again. And I was like, it's like they knew what they were doing. <laughs> and I just pushed it in there, and in like 15 minutes, I was done. I was like, all right, my day's done. I can go back inside and take a nap. And this is what I did. I came in and I was like, I've been sitting there putting that off, thinking this is going to be so complicated. I should have done this a long time ago. But it was cold. Thank you, brother. Amen. I like it. I like that. It was cold. What, what I'm trying to say to you is this. That's a, it's not that complicated. It's really not. Well, preacher, I don't understand what God wants me to do. Here's what he wants you to do. You've been saved. You need to be saved. You need to follow the Lord in baptism. You need to be part of one of his churches. You need to learn to separate from the world. You need to start tithing. You need to start giving to missions. You need to start growing in your faith. You need to start walking with God. Is anybody getting this? You need to start witnessing to others. It's not really that complicated. It's just we're just not willing to do it sometimes. And God says this, I'm just telling you from Joshua's life, if you want to have success, and here it is, obedience leads to it. In fact, this is something else that's really good. And I like this one. Look at verse number, <clears throat> look down at the next verse here, verse number 18. It says, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. And there was not a city, it talks about the Gibeonites, and it talks about in verse 20, the Lord, it was of the Lord that he hardened their hearts, that they should come against Israel, and Israel would destroy them. I'm not going to spend time and read all that, but I really want to focus on verse number 18. It says, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Look at this, this is what I wrote down, success doesn't happen overnight. It's interesting when you start studying this out, the years of Joshua's battles are not, they're not specifically mentioned in, in Scripture. <clears throat> we only know that, well, right here it says it was a long time, but when you start kind of comparing Scripture with Scripture, you can kind of get an approximate uh, time. You can go to Joshua 14.7, where Caleb is talking to Joshua and he refers back to when he was 40 years old, when they were sent to spy out the land. Does anybody remember that story? Uh, but then uh, in verse number 10, he says that he is now 85 years old. So he was sent to spy out the land at 40 years old. Uh, all right. And we also know this, that Israel wandered in the desert after that bad report for an, at least another 38 years to give them a full 40 years. So this is what you begin to figure up. If Caleb is 45, uh, it's been 45 years, so 45 minus 38 puts Joshua and the children of Israel in the land for somewhere around the neighborhood of seven years, all right? Now, hopefully you got all that math. If you didn't, just trust me, seven years, all right? Because it's, anyways. The only thing we don't know is exactly when the conversation between Caleb 
and Joshua took place? Was it right after they finished the northern campaign or a couple of years later? So however, we can, we can kind of estimate that it was somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven years. But what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that the victorious life doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, doesn't it? But it just, it takes time. This is the thing that I wrote down, is that people oftentimes spend years messing up their life with the sin of this world, and then they come in and expect God to clean everything up and straighten everything out with the push of a button, and it doesn't work that way. It is, listen to me, there is nothing in this Bible that says anything about McDonald's drive through where you put your order in and you drive around and get exactly what you want within about two or three minutes. Be a fact, McDonald's don't even work that way half the time. So you're looking at me like, well, that doesn't make sense because McDonald's always messes up everything I get. It, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is that that's, there's no drive-through Christianity in the Bible. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way, friend. And, and listen, and here's... And here's something else to consider, and I want you to think about this, all right? And I don't want to take the time to go all the way back through the Scriptures, but here's what you begin to look is as you study. How long you have to battle and how difficult the enemy is, is determined by how long you're out of the land. What, what do you mean by that? Well, if you remember, this land was promised to Abraham. And, and you understand, when Abraham dwelled in it, all right, well before, long before Joshua ever came along, it had been several generations, but as you go back and you study it, all right, and, and, and Abraham comes out of the land, comes back, and, and, and the ites of the land, there's like a couple of, a couple of ites in the land. You, you understand the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and... And then they go down into Egypt, and now they're coming back out. And listen, I, I'm just telling you right now, and even you, you think about Jacob, and, and all. I, I'm just telling you, as you study it out from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, every time they went out of the land and they came back, more ites were in the land. And by the time Joshua and the people of Israel that had been out of the land for some, you know, generations and years, and they come back in, I'm just telling you, there are multitudes of ites in the land. Pretty good application right here. I want you to think about this. What about people raised in church versus those who aren't raised in church? You take a person that's been raised in church, comes from a godly home with parents who love the Lord, and they get saved and begin to live for the Lord, and you compare that to someone that's been out in the world, and then they come in and they get saved, I'm telling you, they're going to have a battle. No, no, no. They're not. They, nobody is any more saved than the other. Is anybody catching this? I'm just simply saying to you, friend, and then here's the thing, and it doesn't mean that one can have victory and the other can't. No, both can have victory. But what I'm saying to you is this. There's just, it's simply a fact of life. There's more enemies that they have to deal with in their life because they've been out there. And, and to me, here's what that says. As a parent, as a parent, that says to me, 
I need to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to ensure that my kids are in church, they hear the gospel, and they get saved, and they don't have to fight the things that I did in my life. But it also says this, young people, if you're a young person with parents doing that for you, I'm going to tell you something, you need to be grateful for that. And you need to take advantage of that. But this can also apply to someone who's backslidden. As you get away from God and out in the world, enemies will pile in the land, and the longer you're out, the more enemies will creep in. And yes, you can still have victory, but here's what I would do. I would avoid all of it by simply staying in the land. But here's the bottom line. Nothing of any value happens overnight, and this includes spiritual victory. No matter whether you are raised in church or not, everybody's going to have battles. Everybody's going to have enemies in their life that they have to deal with. I'm talking about spiritual battles in their life, not people. And one of the great dangers in this popcorn generation is that we give up too easily. When it requires things like faithfulness and commitment and resolve and patience, and we want to sit back and play armchair quarterback. Look at Joshua. He did what Moses said to do, and Moses did what God said to do. He's worshiping man. No, Joshua's having victory, and that's why you're not, because you're too stinking full of pride. Listen, we're a popcorn generation, man. What, what, was it, what does that mean? That means this. It takes two and a half minutes for the popcorn to pop in the microwave, and I don't like waiting that long. And that's how, that's how we expect spiritual things to work, and it doesn't work that way. Friends, I, I'm telling you tonight, you can have victory, but it may take some time and it may take some battles, but God can do it. Be, be fact, here's the last thing tonight, and I'm done, and all God's people said amen. Look at verse 21. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron to Deber, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel. Only in Gaza and Gath and Ashdod there remained. And this is what I wrote down tonight. Success can come regardless of your enemy. You can leave Joshua and go to, go to Numbers in chapter 13 and I'm through. Look at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are, all, we are, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we for they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched out and searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that, that, were, that we saw in it were of, were of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. And if you don't know who that is, that's the Anakims that Joshua is talking about that he defeated in our text. To some people, listen to this, victorious living will always be out of reach 
not because they're not saved, but because they fail to trust and obey God. All they see are the enemies, the giants in their life, and they're already defeated. But where they saw the giants, Joshua and Caleb saw God. They saw His power. They saw His ability to bring down their enemies and give them victory. And now that you and I are in Joshua chapter number 11, guess who's standing there rejoicing in victory over the giants? Joshua and Caleb. Isn't that awesome? I want you to think about this with me tonight. The giants represent the greatest of enemies that we face in our life. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I think that that would describe a, a plethora of things. You, you think about addictions. Listen, I, I pastored in the meth capital of the world for 10 years. I saw what that stuff can do to a guy's life, a woman's life. Alcohol, pornography, gambling. You, you think about difficult, maybe even immoral backgrounds. Hey, listen, you, you, you do realize that a homosexual can turn from that lifestyle and get saved. But they got a battle. And, and now we're even to this place where people are having to turn around and, and, and go back to the gender they were trying to transition from. Because they got saved. What about abusive situations? And the things that that does to an individual's mind and to have to overcome? I, I, I Listen, I, I, I'm just telling you tonight, I, I, we could go on and on with some of the, if I could say it like this, the giants that people face in, in their life. But, but, I'm, but I'm telling you tonight, and, and I want you to listen to this, from first-hand experience in the addictions department, I'm telling you tonight, God can. God can. But you and I are going to have to trust Him to obey Him. Joshua had great success, not because he had some magic pill or some secret method. You know what he did? He just trusted and obeyed God. And it didn't happen overnight, and it took time, but Joshua was steadfast, he was faithful, and he even overcame his greatest foes. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that the same God that gave Joshua success is the same God that's still on the throne tonight. And He can give you success as well. Let's all stand tonight.